Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. Book the third. The third, oh my god, can't even read already. Book the sixth, The Ersatz Elevator. Chapter 11. The French expression cul-de-sac describes what the Baudelaire orphans found when they reached the end of the dark hallway, and like a French expression, it is mostly easily understood when you translate each French word into an English word. The word day for instance, is very commonly a common French word, so even I don't know a French word, I would certainly know what day means of. And the word sack is less common, but I'm afraid I'm fairly certain that it means something like mysterious circumstances. And the word cull in French, I am forced to guess that in translation it means, in this case, at the end of the dark hallway, the Baudelaire children found an assortment, so that expression cul-de-sac here means at the end of the dark hallway, the Baudelaire children have found an assortment of mysterious circumstances. Do you think that's what cul-de-sac means? Okay, no. I didn't, well, number one, I didn't know cul-de-sac was a French word, I guess. Weird, anyways, cool. <laughs> if the Baudelaire's had been able to choose a French expression that would be waiting for them at the end of the hallway, they might have chosen one that meant By the time the three children rounded the last dark corner of the corridor, the police had captured Gunther and rescued the Quagmire triplets, or at least the Baudelaire's were delighted to see that the hallway led straight to the Veblen Hall, where the inn auction was taking place. But the end of the hallway proved to be as mysterious and worrisome as the rest. The entire length of the hallway was very dark and it had so many twists and turns, and the three children frequently found themselves bumping into the walls. The ceilings of the hallway were very low. Gunther must have had to crunch down when he, when he used it for his treacherous plans, and over their heads, the three children could hear a variety of noises that told them where the hallway was probably taking them. After a few first curves, they heard the muted voice of the doorman and his footsteps as he walked overhead, and the Baudelaire's realized that they must be underneath the lobby of the squalor's apartment building. Apartment building. Blah. After a few more curves, they heard two men discussing ocean decorations, and they realized that they must be walking beneath Dark Avenue. After a few more curves, they near they heard rickety rattle of an old trolley that was passing over their heads and the children knew that they were under the hallway that was leading them they were that the hallway was leading them underneath one of the city's trolley stations and on and on the hallway curved and the Baudelaire's heard variety of city sounds the clopping of horses hooves the grinding of factory equipment the tolling of church bells and the clatter of people dropping things but then they finally reached the corridor's end, and there was no sound over their heads at all. The Baudelaire's stood still and tried to imagine a place in the city where it was absolutely silent. Can you think of a silent place, Peyton? The library. 
I was totally going to think that too. Where do you think we are? Violet asked, straining her ears to listen to e- listen even more closely. It's as silent as a tomb up there. Well, that's not what I'm worried about, Klaus answered, poking the walls with his fire tongue. I can't find which way the hallway curves. I think there might we might be at a dead end. A dead end, Violet said, and poked the opposite wall with her tongue. It can't be a dead end. Nobody builds a hallway that goes nowhere. Pragetic, Sunny said, which meant Gunther must have ended up somewhere if he took this passageway. I'm poking every inch of these walls, Klaus said grimly, and there are or grimly, and there are no doors, stairways, or curves or anything. It's a dead end. It's a dead end, all right. There's no other word for it. Actually, there's a French expression for dead end, but I can't remember what it is. I guess we have to retrace our steps, Violet said miserably, and I guess we have to turn around and make our way back to the corridor and climb up the net, and we have to save, have Sunny's teeth her way to the penthouse to find some more materials to make up an ersatz rope and climb all the way down from the top of the floor and then slide down the banister of the lobby and sneak past the doorman to Veblen Hall. Ah, Poiton, Sunny said, which meant something like, we'll never make it there in time to expose Gunther and save the quagmires. I know, Violet said, but I don't know what else we can do. It looks like we're shorthanded, even with these tongs. If we had some shovels, Klaus said, but we could dig our way out of the hallway, but we can't use these tongs as shovels. Tenty, Sunny said, which meant if we had some some dynamite, we could probably blast our way out of the hallway, but we can't use tongs as dynamite. But we might be able to use them as noisemakers, Violet said suddenly. Let's bang on the ceiling with our tongs and see if we can attract attention of someone who's passing by. Well, it doesn't sound like anyone's passing by, Klaus said, but it's worth a try. Here, Sunny, I'll pick you up and your tongs can reach the ceiling too. Klaus picked up his sister and all three children began to bang on the ceiling. (sighs) (sighs) Planning to make a racket that would last for several minutes. But as soon as their tongs first hit the ceiling, the Baudelaire's were showered with black dust. It rained down on them like a dry, filthy storm. And the children had to cut short their banging to cough into their ribs and rub their eyes and spit out the dust that had fallen into their mouths. Ew. Ah, Violet spat. That tastes terrible. Tastes like burnt toast, Klaus said. Fee-plop, Sunny said. At that, Violet stopped coughing and licked the tips of her finger and thought, It's ashes, she said. Maybe we're below a fireplace. I don't think so, Klaus said. Look up. The Baudelaire's looked up and saw the black dust had uncovered a very small stripe of light, barely as wide as a pencil. The children gazed up at the... Oh, I know where this leads. Oh, good. As the wide pencil, the children gazed up into it and and they could see the morning sun gazing back at them. Tea stew, Sunny said, which meant, we're in the city, can you find ashes outdoors? Well, maybe we're below a barbecue pit, Klaus said. Well, we'll find out soon enough, Violet replied and began to sweep more dust away from the ceiling. As it fell, the children... As it fell on the children in a thick, dark cloud, the skinny stripe of light became four skinny stripes of light, like a drawing on the ceiling. By the light, by the light of the square, on the all the Baudelaire's could see the a pair of hinges. Look, Violet said, it's a trap door, but we can't see the darkness of the hallway. Oh, we couldn't see it in the darkness of the hallway, but there it is. 
Klaus pressed his tongs into the trap door and opened it, but it to try and open it, but it didn't budge. It's locked, of course, he said. I bet Gunther locked it behind him when he took the quagmires away. Violet looked up at the trap door and and the other children could see by the light of the sun streaming in that she was trying to tying her hair up in a ribbon to keep it from out of her eyes. A lock isn't going to stop us, she said. Not when we've come all this way, and I think it's time to finally ripe these to- ripen these tongs. Not as welding torches, not as noisemakers, she smiled and turned to the attention to her siblings. We can use them as crowbars, she said excitedly. Hardy said, Sunny asked. A crowbar is a portable lever, Violet said, and these tongs will work perfectly. We'll stick the bent end to the part where the light is shining through and then push the rest of the tongue down sharply. It should bring the the trap door down with it. Understand? I think so, Klaus said. Let's try. The Baudelaire's tried. Carefully, they stuck the part of the tongs that had been heated into the oven into the side of the square of light. Then, and then, grunting with the effort, they pushed the straight end of the tongs down as sharply as they could. And I'm happy to report that the crowbars worked perfectly. With tremendous crackling and the sound and another cloud of ash, the trap door bent on its hinges and opened toward the children, who had ducked as it swung over their heads. Sunlight streamed into the hallway. The Bodel, as the Baudelaire saw that they had finally come to the end of their long journey, a long, dark journey. It worked, Violet cried. It really worked. The time was ripe for your invention skills, Klaus cried. The solution was right on the tip of our tongs. Have you heard tip of your tongue? This is tip of your tongue. Oh, that's just so silly. What a cute kid joke, okay? How many more pages of this chapter? I'm just wondering. I'm not complaining. I'm just wondering. Okay. Up, Sunny shrieked, and the children agreed. By standing on their tiptoes, the Baudelaire's could grab a hold of some of the hinges and pull themselves out of the hallway, leaving behind the crowbars. In a moment, the three children were squinting in the sunlight. One of the most prized possessions and is a small wooden box with a, a special lock that has more than five hundred years that is more than five hundred years old. And works according to the secret code that my grandfather taught me. My grandfather lean, learned it from his grandfather, and his grandfather learned it from his grandfather. And I would teach it to my grandchildren. If I thought that I would ever have a family of my own instead of living out the remainder of my days all alone in this world. The small wooden box is one of my most prized possessions because when the lock opens according to the code, a small silver key may be found inside. And this key fits in the lock of my own other, my other most prized possessions, which is a slightly larger wooden box given to me by a woman whom my grandmother always refused to speak about. Inside this slightly larger wooden box is a roll of parchment, a word here which means a very old paper printed with a map of the city at the end, at the time when the Baudelaire orphans lived in it. The map has every single detail of the city written down in dark blue ink with measurements of buildings and sketches of costumes and charts of changing its changes in the weather, all added in the margins by the map's 12 previous owners, all of whom are dead now. I have spent more hours than I can ever count going over every inch of this map as carefully as possible so that everything can be learned from everything can be learned from it can be copied to the files and then into books such as this one in hopes 
that the general public will finally learn every detail of this treacherous conspiracy. I have spent my life trying to escape. The map contains thousands of fascinating things that have been discovered all, by all sorts of explorers, criminals, criminal investigators, and circus performers over the years. But the most fascinating thing the map contains was just discovered at the moment of the three boat, that this by the three Baudelaire children. Sometimes, in the dead of the night when I cannot sleep, I rise from my bed and work the code in that small wooden box to retrieve a silver key that opens a slightly larger wooden box so that I can sit on my desk and once again, by candlelight, and the two dotted lines indicated in the underground hallway begins at the bottom of the elevator shaft at 667 Dark Avenue and ends at the trap door that the Baudelaire's managed to open at the Ersatz crowbars and I stare at the point of the city where the orphans climbed out of that ghastly corridor. But no matter how much I can stare at that, I scarcely can believe with my own eyes any more than the Baudelaire youngsters could believe with theirs. The siblings had been in darkness for so long that their eyes took a, t a long time to adjust getting used to the properly lit surroundings, and they stood for a moment, rubbing their eyes, trying to see exactly where the trapdoor had led them. But... The sudden brightness of the morning sun, only the only thing the children could see was a cubby shadow of a man standing near them. Excuse me, Violet called while her eyes were still adjusting. We need to get to Veblen Hall. It's an emergency. Could you please tell us where it is? To just two blocks that way. The shadow stuttered and the children gradually realized that it was suddenly the overweight man pointing to the street it was a slightly oh, it was a slightly overweight man pointing down the street and looking at the children fearfully please don't hurt me the the mailman added stepping away from the youngsters we're not going to hurt you klaus said wiping out what klaus said wiping ashes off of his glasses ghosts always say that the mailman said but then they always hurt you we're not ghosts said violet don't tell me you're not ghosts the mailman replied i saw you rise out of the ashes myself as if you had come from the center of the earth People have always said that it's haunted here in the empty lot with the Baudelaire's. People said it's always haunted here on the empty lot where the Baudelaire's mansion burned down. And now I know it's true. <gasps> Did they just come up at their old house? Oh my gosh. That makes sense. Oh my gosh. The mailman ran away before the Baudelaire's could reply. But the three children were too amazed by his words to speak to him anyways they blinked and blinked in the morning sun and they finally adjusted their eyes enough to see that the mailman was right it was true it was not true that the three children were ghosts of course they were not spooky creatures who had risen from the center of earth but three orphans who had hoisted themselves out of the hallway but but the mailman had spoken the truth about them when he told them where they were the Baudelaire orphans looked around them and huddled together as if they were still in a dark hallway instead of the outdoors in broad daylight, standing amid the ashy ruins of their destroyed home. What? You knew that the whole time. Oh my gosh, that's so creepy. And that is how they know that that awful beastly man burned their house down and knew where they were and everything, huh? Oh my gosh. That is crazy. Crazy. Okay, bye. Say bye. Bye. Oh, you're so convincing.